Welcome everybody. So this is part two of Beef and Lamb New Zealand's Seen and Heard podcast on family farm succession and transition with Geordie McCallum from Wairarapa Property Consultants. So hopefully you listened to part one. If not, I can thoroughly recommend it, talking about starting with the end in in sight, um, establishing your end game and looking at the business, doing an analysis and seeing what your business will allow you to do. So this one we're going to get down now to some more... um, uh, finer detail, I guess, around um, having set the end game, having an idea of what the business can do, talk about others in the family and their involvement and the options to try and make it all happen and meet their goals as well. So, uh, Geordie, the first thing, we were just talking offline and you said rather than meet as a family, it's more appropriately called engaging as a family. just want to reiterate one of the things we talked about in the first podcast. Why is it important that you do some of the... Well, you leave it to this point. You've done the processes about the dream and the vision and the goals and the status of the business, but you're not pulling in the non-farming family members or other family members till this point. Why do you run it that way? So as we said in that first podcast, um, the retiring generation or the, the people sitting in the driving seat today, um, it is their succession and transition plan. Um and so as such it is important that they lead the process so that's why it's important to spend that time beforehand so that you really do understand um, what you want what you've got and how you want to approach it then when you engage the family you're coming with something Mm -hmm. Um, you are better able to lead the process and to give um, the members of your family um, some answers, mm-hmm. um, some answers and some leadership and some guidance, um, and help them to understand uh, what's important mm-hmm. to you. So when you say, we'll talk through a bit about the process, and we'll talk about the the why it's happening in this part of the the trans or the, the planning process. Um, who are you involved? How wide do you throw it open at this stage? I mean, I guess that's a bit of a piece of strain. It depends on each family, but. You're not just talking immediate sons and daughters, you bring in partners and, and so on at this stage, or, or how do you make that sort of decision? Yeah, so engaging the family and why we changed that from meeting with the family is because engaging the family requires you to think about, we've got this plan mm-hmm. and vision, how are we now best going to communicate it? Mm-hmm. Um, communication is all important and mm-hmm. it's the make or break of of a successful process Um, and what we need to communicate is um, and by the end of it have communicated what is what is happening Mm -hmm. and also why it's going to happen now at this point of time we don't have all those answers all we have is is um, our vision our values and what we're bringing to the table and that's going to be shared and then ultimately moulded as we engage the family and hear from them. So who do we um, who do we involve? Um, modern families aren't all vanilla yeah. like they, they once were. Um, so we can't say sons, daughters and, and um, put labels on them. It's more who are the people that... Um, are part of your family, inverted commas, who are important stakeholders in this family and in this business. Um, by this point, and it's not absolutely not favoritism, it's practical. Mm-hmm. By this point, 
any members of the family that are um, interested in or are part of the mm-hmm. farming business or a farming business um, may have been engaged in the business yep. review process. Yep. Um, and that's quite an important point. Um, there's a real opportunity um, in succession and transition where you get the two farming generations mm-hmm. together and through that time you bring the experience and the wisdom of the previous generation and you bring um, a, a new and different enthusiasm, ideas, mm. crazy ideas, yep. um, different ways of looking at things and for a period of time, whether it's five years, whether it's ten years or whatever it is, if everyone gets along and those two generations work together, um, I see that as a, a big opportunity and a game changer in terms of um, transforming a business and taking it um, into, a, into a future a business for the future from wherever it is today. So one of the things you talked about in part one and and you sort of said ultimately one of the most important things if not the important thing is that the people who are transferring the asset, the business and so let's, you know, mum and dad is traditionally who they are but as you said nowadays it's it's not always but their situation after succession is sort of paramount. They've got to be financially, you know, have what they need when they need it. Um... Or, or, or secure. Yes, I think was the word you used. When do you, given that, but when do you start drawing out, you know, and how do you draw out what other family members want? Um, because also you touched on it's never. Sometimes it's assumed and not always implicit that the son or that daughter wants to come home to the farm, and mum and dad may not want necessarily want to put that on them, as you mm-hmm. said. So, yep. Is this when you start drawing out what are their dreams? Yep. And so let's let's move one let's move one to the side, and mm-hmm. this isn't this isn't an order of priority, but uh, another question um, that needs to be answered is, um, or something that needs to be confirmed is that the business is viable mm-hmm. for the next generation of farmers. Okay. Now we yep. say farmers and I'm going to leave it absolutely open because it's not necessarily all about one family member mm-hmm. and one farm. Farming and business is, um, is not not that vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one, one at the moment which um, there is multiple children mm-hmm. who are all interested um, and, and farming mm-hmm. and fortunately for this business um, there is a, it's a significant business and there are multiple farms mm-hmm. so that everyone that wants to be farming will be farming and will be going through the process so we absolutely um, don't have a one size fits all who's the farmer mm-hmm. here you go um, and away you go it's about understanding the, um, the family dynamics um, one thing for sure though is that taking on a farming career, mm-hmm. taking on the responsibility and the legacy of the family farming business, if you aren't passionate about it, mm-hmm. and if it's not for you, then I would put um, to Bob on the fact that you won't last the distance yeah. um, and be in a position to transfer mm-hmm. it to the next generation. Farming is too tough, um, and when times get tough, you need to be doing it for more than just monetary reasons, mm-hmm. um, more than just a day job, um, because there are 99 reasons to give up mm-hmm. when when farming gets tough, 
because as we said before, farming's not just a, a place you show up during the day to work. You live there, yep. you breathe it, you feel it, and when the, the, um, the pressure's on, it's heavy. So um, while I'm saying it's not, um, it's mm. not restricted, it's not about one, one, one farmer yep. and, and here it is and here's the farm, um, it's about making sure that whoever's putting their hand up is mm. doing it for the right reasons, is passionate, um, and has got the skills and, and not just has, because part of the process is building those skills mm -hmm. and expertise and knowledge so that they will be successful. So engage the family. How do you do it and how do you work through things? That, that as one specific example, is a good one, that the person who puts their hand up says, I would like to go farming, is doing it for the so-called right reasons, not because there's 3.2 million of equity in there that they might suddenly be able to... Mm. Um, hypothetically, and we've all seen sell up in three years' time, and I mean, and that's obviously important to the people whose asset is that are transferring. But how do you go about? I mean, and that's this is a long-winded question. Sorry, that's one specific example that you just raised. But how do you go that work? How do you engage the family and draw out from them what they yep. would like and need? Yep. So um, engaging the family, um, and I think while the farming while anyone involved in the farm may well have had some involvement already, let's just put that to the side. And um, and it is useful and good to have um, a meeting early, mm -hmm. uh, if that fits your family. Yep. You may Some families may say, we're not getting everyone in a room at the same time. <laughs> yep. um, that just won't be the best place mm -hmm. to start. So horses for courses and we'll develop what works, but keeping it simple, um, a time is booked, everyone's invited um, to to come and, and talk and start the process. Often we will um, we will give people something, a few questions, mm -hmm. something simple to get them thinking. Um, things along the lines of what are your expectations of um, the family business? Where do you see yourself within the family, um, family business? Um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Just getting them to do a little bit of thinking themselves about um, their life, who they are, where they want to be. Um, and then it is, it is as, as um, simple as booking a time, having a structure and an agenda, mm -hmm. because um, as families, um, we get together at Christmas, we get together at, um, at weddings and birthdays and funerals, yeah. um, but when we come together on this front, we don't want to necessarily behave um, as a family. Yeah, it, yep. we've got some um, some business to discuss, <laughs> and we need an agenda, and we need a few a few ground rules to make sure that um, we that everyone gets um, something out of it, that everyone's safe, and that people um, know that know that they're coming to seek more understanding, to to know what's happening, and go away empowered and, and not offended. That's a good one. You don't want them to behave as a family. I like that. I think <laughs> yeah. we, all, we can probably all relate to that one, especially you know, and um, on an objective level. But um, it, it's not just funny. It actually, I can see what exactly what you mean. So, um, and you talked about communication and all of this. So, two things on this. Well, the first one is um, that's a lot to put on people. For a lot of you know, people may not have necessarily thought about it, or suddenly they have to. Uh, express that to other members of their family and it may have never been spoken 
I presume you give people you want to give people quite a lot of prior warning or reasonable time to prepare their own thoughts and as you said you those questions you'd put out before the meeting give people time to think yeah talk to their partner come up with their answers yeah and just jumping on that because you did ask um, earlier who comes mm-hmm. um, and and let's keep a, our family vanilla for a second and, and say that yep. there are three three kids and they're all either married or partnered mm-hmm. up um, is it just a closed house? nuclear family mm-hmm. conversation or is it wider um, and what I would say is um, of course there are times when um, when partners um, it may not be right um, to include them and, and look there may be um, relationship issues that that mean mm-hmm. that mean you might not but in simple terms and in, in speaking from a, a male perspective if I was to come to the family meeting and my wife and mother mm-hmm. and my children did not come mm-hmm. Um, we're a family. We're a family mm. separate from this family, and we've got goals and aspirations and dreams that we're working on. And the last thing I want to do is go home after that meeting and try and communicate to my wife the essence yeah. and the conversations held in that meeting, yeah. because it will be bullet point, yeah. and it won't be enough, and it doesn't do justice to the fact that we're a family unit yeah. and. I don't make decisions um, independently mm-hmm. of my wife. We make decisions together. So, if unless it was um, a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend um, from for the last six weeks, yeah, um, there's a, a line in the sand. But ultimately, if you've got children that have partnered up and are living a life um, with a, a new family, even if it's just them and, and no kids at this stage, they're making decisions together. Then yeah. it's appropriate to have both of them as yep. part of this family meeting. No, it's a good point. I think we can all envision that, yeah, coming back from anything that you've done and trying to communicate what you remember of what was communicated without mm. to somebody who wasn't in the room. But on that, um, how important is, you know, it doesn't cover everything, but writing things down, having written record of all this stuff? Absolutely important. And that's where um, we talk about that independent facilitation, um, having agendas, having notes and minutes and agreed actions and that all being distributed and that all being accurate. These are all the sorts of things that um, that aren't always mm-hmm. standard practice around um, business meetings and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's critical because we don't we don't always remember the facts of the day. Mm. We don't always look at things and hear things the same um, as as we might be sitting around the same table together, but we can hear what we want to hear out of a conversation. So by the time there's a summary sent, there's then an opportunity and, mm-hmm. and everyone's, um, they make their choice about taking that opportunity, but if something written down is not accurate or what they recall, they have the opportunity to reply and correct it at the time. Because once you get down the track, those are the records of what was discussed and agreed, and, and that's yep. just the way it is. No, that's good. And again, um, we'll mention in each podcast, in the link of this podcast, you'll find some URLs or, or web links to pages on Beef and Lamb New Zealand's website and on the RNPB website that has material around a lot of the stuff we're talking about, some templates, some examples. And I know in the online module on the Beef and Lamb New Zealand Knowledge Hub, there's some questions here that, you know, the 
the farm owner generation and the family can ask themselves and ask of each other to help tease out some of these things that, that Geordie's talking about here. So by all means refer to that. We, we won't be able to cover it all all here. So what else, Geordie? We're engaging the family. We've talked about that first setting, this, you know, the, um, the pre-work, establishing the end game, having an analysis of the business, then the meeting or meetings, people's questionnaire writing things down what else should be done to make sure the family's engaged yeah so so and the agenda in these meetings is typically um, as we say the leadership with um, the retiring generation mm-hmm. share their vision and their plan mm-hmm. so the family then here this is what mum and dad want yep. this is what mum and dad are going to need to achieve that this is the state of the business mm-hmm. you might not give them down to the nth detail of of the business analysis, but you give them an essence. Um, And this is what the opportunity is for the next generation, be it one, be it all, um, whatever Mm. the picture looks like for that family. So that's agenda item number one, and that communicates that vision. We're then after um, what are your individual Mm -hmm. needs, wants, fears yep. and expectations um, what what are your um, when you look at the family business where do you see yourself um, within it is there a place for you within it are you looking at taking up that potential opportunity um, so that's when we start to to juggle between who are the farming members of the family who are the non-farming mm-hmm. members of the family um, which will have a different different set of needs and if we yep. um, jump over to the farming members of the family. So anyone that's looking to to take up this farming career, um, we then need to ensure if an end result for them is is succession, um, transition and succession, then we need to make sure that they do what I call the farming apprenticeship. Now they may already have been doing a bit of that, it depends Uh on their age and stage, Um, but I see that as um, the, the first question we alluded to before is do they have the passion, do they have the, mm-hmm. are they the right person? Um, let's call that one their values. Mm-hmm. Do they um, uphold the values that are important to you and to this family business that are gonna make it successful? Um, and yes or no, and if they don't, um, then you probably go no, you go no further. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they don't have that, then it might be tough. Um, but if the values aren't right, um, yep. it's probably never going to work. Um, jumping on to the next next one, I break it up into the operational skills, mm-hmm. the management skills, and the governance yep. skills. So operational is about you show up on day one of your, your job on the farm and you need to understand um, and be capable of doing all the jobs on the farm mm-hmm. from from dagging to docking to drenching to mustering, you've got to be able to to do those Mm -hmm. daily things. Now, you don't necessarily have to do that on the family farm. You you leave school, you do a diploma, you um, do a cadetship, you get your first job, you do all those things and you you build up those skills. Mm -hmm. Um, To the point when you arrive home, you either might have a bit more learning to do um, or you you might be done and dusted and fully capable. Once you've got that operational capacity sorted, you naturally start to um, look a little bit further and say, well, what else is going on in this Mm -hmm. this business? And that's 
starting to get a management mindset. Mm. Why are we running these sheep? Mm. Why have we got this cattle policy? Um, how much fertiliser are we putting on and, and what type of fertiliser are, are we putting on? How are we going to feed that stock through mm. winter, through summer? All of these management decisions mm -hmm. that are crucial. So you've nailed the operational, you then start to delve into the management. Mm -hmm. And as we talk about a transition, I, it's important that as, as people's capability grow, the um, the structure allows them to grow within the business yep. and um, a few of the, the tried and true general examples um, that that we have seen and see is that someone might have been home on the farm mm. for 25 years but yet they still don't have any um, material decision yep. making in the management of the business mm -hmm. and in that situation you get people that are stale and frustrated and, and all those sorts of things because where they are at personally mm. um, they haven't been given that place within yep. the business and therefore become disillusioned um, and effectively impacts their growth because mm. they are unable to outwork and test their their skills and abilities um, in that next mm. level so it's really important to um, keep putting the opportunity out in front as as um, the next generation um, show that they've sort of mastered yeah. the last point. Um, so then you get to the point where the management side of the business, they become fully capable, mm -hmm. they've nailed it, they, they plan, they run meetings, they um, work the stock agents, they um, do all the things, feed budget, that are required, involved in the financial, um, possibly even um, the highest level of management, you know, they're doing all of that yep. sort of stuff. They'll be paying the bills, running mm -hmm. the, the cash manager and doing it all. Somewhere within there they'll start to go, well, well, what else is going on here? Mm. Oh, we've um, we've bought another bit of dirt um, over time. We've, we've leased mm -hmm. that place over there. There's a bigger picture strategy for the business, mm -hmm. which is called governance. There mm -hmm. are people thinking about hatching plans about how we're going to grow this business either within the boundary or um, or beyond the boundary mm -hmm. and so it's then important that they um, they test and try those skills yep. um, and that can be done in the form of um, it may be that they get to a point where leasing the farm mm. is the right thing to do it might not be mm -hmm. it, it might be that doesn't fit in the family structure um, but it may be that they another farm or block comes up which they they can lease um, or, or do something like that which gives them some skills and experience and business strategy. Um, it could just be um, owning a house, owning a rental property um, and, and looking to grow capital and equity and, and implement some of those governance skills. Um, but at the end of that process, um, which is ever, everlasting throughout our life, um, I'll add, um, you've got someone that has got the right set of values mm -hmm. Um, that was a that was a drafting gate question. Um, the rest of it is they have built the operational skills, the management mm -hmm. skills, and the governance skills. That means on the day that you transact and change the ownership, because that's all that ownership is mm -hmm. is a transaction. Um, your your kid could show up and you could give them the keys and the paperwork, and mm -hmm. and they could be away the next day. They might not have any capability to do it, but but you mm -hmm. can just make that happen. What we're talking about is, is building the operational management and governance skills so that the day that you transact and they take over the business proper, they are 
um, I was going to say fully equipped, but let's just say equipped to Certainly, do it yeah. and to do it well, because we're never we're never yeah. perfect, <laughs> um, and we can't wait until we got it all sorted. There's always a, a lead in, but that's the that's the ultimate is that they're fully capable and are going to be yep. successful in their business. And these are things that you would include in the plan or documentation as well. That you know the the. Uh, do you play it by year, or do you actually say that that we will over time management will transfer? Yep. So you provided you meet a certain standard, we will. Yep. You know, you can document that sort of stuff. Well, you do. You don't. Um, you don't make it rigid because mm-hmm. these things yeah. are about um, organic yep. and and the right the right opportunities. Um, but if you if you take again this ten year example, and someone starts the process, um, and they. Um, the next generation might not yet have, they might not be home as yet, um, but mum and dad have got some time horizons mm-hmm. and you start to say, um, and this is where leadership comes in, you say, well look, here's our time horizons. So for those that are gonna put their hand up, you sort of got three years to, to mm-hmm. um, say you're gonna do it and get home yeah. because um, you're, off, you're off in a professional mm-hmm. career somewhere when you do come home, you've got a bit of you've got a bit of work to do here. Yeah. You've got a few years to get the operational sorted. Then we'll provide you with an opportunity for management, and that works in with us because I want to play a bit more golf, and we mm-hmm. want to we want to um, do a cruise and do a few things, which means that um, we need someone that's going to be management capable. Yeah. So there'll be those opportunities um, until the point where you're the the fully fledged manager, and that might be five or six years away. Um, because then by 10 years, we see ourselves as exiting the business. Mm. Um, and there's a number of different ways to exit the business, and it doesn't mean you're gone from everything. Mm. Um, but by and large, at, at that point, um, what it's about is is the responsibility and authority has shifted. We don't need to worry about it anymore. Yep. Um, of course, we're still interested. Um, we mm. might remain in a governance capacity supporting you. We're always down the end of the phone for conversations and management um, and a world that goes full circle quite often we just want to um, cruise around and do the old odd job around the farm Um, if we wake up in the morning and it's wet and cold and we (laughs) don't want to be there then we don't want to have to put our apologies into the morning meeting Um, we don't want to have to be there but when we're available um, we want to be helpful and useful now it's one of the things I've talked to a few Farmers who've gone through that process said it's yeah some of the best time of their life because they can go farming, they can do the things they love on the farm yeah. without the stress and the worry or the cold weather and they don't have to ring the agents at night or etc. But um, keep coming back. You talked about primary and all this as mum and dad or, or the successors. That's your more general term rather than to be too stereotyped. Yeah, their situation after succession is key. They've got to be you know viable, secure etc. But I guess the what you've just talked about there, the corollary with that, to achieve that, they have to be prepared to give up some control, and, a, and a, they run a risk if they don't do that of actually. Yeah. In the end, they've got to be prepared to give up all the all control. control. Yeah. Through the process, they've got to be prepared yeah. to create the space for the yeah. next generation to grow and learn and build those yeah. skills. And and you do come across um, times where people struggle with that mm. I struggle with yeah. that at times um, and you do sort of see um, 
very rarely, and, and often it, mm. often it's a process to work through, and it's not where you end up. But because of fear of the unknown, and because how how are the next generation going to do? Mm you kind of see them trying to put things in place to protect the future mm. even beyond their lifetime. Yeah. And um, and it's a funny thing, transition and succession, because if we go through this 10-year process and on year 10 we do this transaction, mm-hmm. the next generation, um, and let's make it really stereotypical, they've moved into the family house mm-hmm. um, and they wake up in the morning um, in the master bedroom in the family house but it still feels like the family farm yeah. you know that family farm Yeah. and that might happen the next day and the next day and the next year and the next year but somewhere mm-hmm. one day they're going to wake up and it's going to be our family farm yeah. and that might be two years it might be ten years it mm. might be fifteen and that emotional kind of change and transition you can't legislate or regulate yeah. that. Yeah. And if the, the structure that you've put in place, when that person's been there and done the time and been through the, the valley and made the hard decisions and, and coming out the other side, and if you've got a structure that then is too onerous and restrictive mm. on that mm-hmm. person, that just isn't right. Mm. And we all say, oh, what if they go and sell the farm? Um, we're all afraid about that. Yeah without going into details there are absolutely things you can put in place structures you can mm-hmm. put in place to protect someone doing something that's unfair to the family yep. and on family capital so full stop on that one um, but at a point in time if the person in charge and now carrying the legacy for that business does not have the ability to sell part or all mm-hmm. or trade in for something else that business then you've clipped their wings and they can't they can't be all they can be and maybe the family business can't then be all it can be all because at a point in time and maybe 10 20 years ago you couldn't see that future vision therefore you kind of legislated against it so it, it absolutely has to be a transition and then a succession at which point just like the royals, that person sits in the chair and wears the throne and they've got the authority. They've got to be the masters of their destiny yep. while carrying the legacy that they've got to be taking mm-hmm. care of the previous generation. There's, there's obligations to um, other members of their generation um, and it's a massive weight and responsibility. There might be five, ten million dollars worth of capital in mm. that business and you go, oh, that's lucky. Well, is it? <laughs> yeah. Because what if it doesn't go so well? And even it might not be your own fault, but but farming mm. is volatile, and the world right now is uncertain, and you're taking on a massive responsibility. Yeah. I think there's probably a few people thinking about that analogy about the monarchy and royal family and things applies. <laughs> not, not going any further. Okay, look. Um, we get into this stuff and it goes into all the really interesting things that I hadn't thought about because it's such a detail and such an important topic and obviously you're pretty passionate about it as well. What else do we need? Just looking at time, we've, yep. we were talking about engaging as family. We've still got a second point we want to get to in this podcast. We so do, but we, we haven't finished that part. No, what we, else? We just went down the farming member mm. um, rabbit hole. Yep. Um, we've come back out again and now we need to talk about the non-farming yep. members of the family and what are they bringing to the table. Um, 
and and it's really interesting and in 99% of the cases I'm involved in um, the ones that aren't interested in farming but have a passion mm-hmm. for the, the the family business um, are absolutely supportive of doing what needs to happen to retain that that mm-hmm. family business um, what are the needs that they might have most of them don't lead with well I need this and I mm-hmm. want that um, most of them um, are not thinking about or looking at that but if there's something in it early for them well mm-hmm. that's a bonus um, and an important point to put in there is that not everyone in life gets an inheritance mm-hmm. if you are in a position where there is family capital and there is the possibility of an inheritance you are one of the lucky ones and it is a bonus mm-hmm. the minute that it becomes a right and an expectation mm-hmm. is the minute that we're in dangerous territory because suddenly um, mum and dad and mm-hmm. living are now impacting on your future right which yep. is a bit of a conflict um, so putting that to the side um, most aren't thinking about it mm-hmm. they, they are wanting to see things successful but they do have um, they do have a number of needs that are, are not necessarily financial, mm-hmm. but they've grown up in this family and this business like everyone else, mm-hmm. and um, they often want to remain, uh, sorry, retain a connection, um, which does become more difficult when um, when the retiring mm-hmm. generation have moved on, and your brother or sister is now on the family farm and got their family on the family farm and doing their thing, um, if it's not discussed and if it's not well understood, that can become more difficult um, than you might perceive. Um, a lot of people say things like, I, I want to be able to go and be part of the business at those times a year, like docking or mm-hmm. getting some firewood or um, heading up the back and, and walking through the bush and I want my kids to be able to mm-hmm. see that and be part of that and experience the things that I experienced. Yep. Um, and these are, are very touch and feel type mm-hmm. things. Um, and it's important. And look, I'm generalizing and yep. coming up with some examples I've heard, but this is where engaging the family, we need to mm-hmm. understand for those non-farming members, what is in this for you? What do you need? What can we do? that is going to meet your your various needs. Now, without promising, um, maybe there's an opportunity that we can support you in a house and a business venture and something or other, and, and in um, all cases, um, I say um, boldly, in all cases, there will be an, an inheritance of some sort. Yeah. Um, the only downside of an inheritance is, um, well, it's a double-edged sword for starters, you only get it when, when mum and dad are dead, and that's never a, a happy uh-huh. time. Um, but also it, it, it's a fair way away. Mm. So you might have lived a big chunk of your life um, and had a whole lot of challenges and things going on where capital would have been really useful, but it didn't come until mm. later on. So that's a bit of a downside of that, but in some cases that's, that's just a reality. And as we said before, if it's a bonus rather than a right, mm. then, then it's still a bonus at 60 plus years old, yeah. um, just like it might be at, at 30 or 40. Um, but if there is some financial support through time, and it might be a $50,000 deposit which gets you into a home or gets you into a business, 
the question is what can you do with that yeah and and time value of money that that's a really valuable um, thing to mm. to offer and provide just like in the family the farming business yes that capital is there but what can that um, what can those people in that business do with that capital because it can go go two ways yeah. So we really need to understand what's important to mm-hmm. um, the non-farming members, um, and as we said, we're we're in a needs mm-hmm. and understanding phase. Um, we we then take those into account as we start to look at options and start to draft um, plans yeah. and, and what they might incorporate. That's a a really interesting one that I think I sort of understood implicitly, but you know you just explicitly stated that desire and need for the family members who aren't going onto the farm to still be able to have that connection with them. Mm. I suspect, yeah, there's a lot that actually would have that in mind, but it's, I wonder how many actually bring it up during the, the discussion. So that's a yeah. Yeah, really good Well, point. again, again, plug, um, independent <laughs> facilitator, because yeah. that's the sort of thing yeah. that you probe and you earn your money yeah. on, is making sure that you get these things out of people. Yeah. Um, and, and just to throw practical into it, um, and it's not difficult and mm. some examples of things going on at the moment and I've heard it from one and then another and then quite a few um, but the world's a different place and you've got things called glamping sites and yeah. Airbnbs and all that sort of stuff and so I know of numerous farms at the moment that are putting in something mm-hmm. uh, a hut, a tiny house mm-hmm. uh, a batch or something on farm converting the um, old wool shed or the something um, and yes, that can be hired out for mm-hmm. glamping and for Airbnb, but you can also provide family members a, a priority mm. booking and you can say, well, hey, here's your place. Because once mm. we've all got five and six kids, it's not easy to come uh, yeah. and stay at home, but here's a spot on the farm, um, normally by the river or yeah. by a bit of bush or where we used to go camping, um, where you can bring your family and you can um, experience it, and you mm-hmm. don't, you don't, other than online mm-hmm. booking or flicking in an email, you don't need yeah. it authorised. It just needs to be available. You can come and do it, have your space, and, and do what you need to do. Yeah. So and, you know, a number of the things you've been talking about here are non, they're not cash or assets. Actually, you know that it's about people having some other things transferred mm-hmm. to them, or that they keep, they retain. Yeah. Which is and, really interesting. And the unfulfilled the unmet needs might come out in if things mm. aren't handled well the this isn't fair the um, look at all that capital mm. um, these things can come out in that that way but if dealt with um, properly mm. sometimes the needs are not the financial yeah, ones they're a symptom. It, it's yeah. just a case of I'm not happy it's not I'm not yeah. getting what I need out of this, and those are the easy things to, yeah. to pluck out and, and yeah. throw at it. Now, just as we talk, you know, the, the one who's taken over the farm wants to have some management and decision making, and you can see for the others, yeah, being left out of that involvement mm-hmm. with the farm in, in other ways. Yeah. Um, you did talk, one thing I just want to pull on, and, and again, looking at time, but one thing in there, you, you've talked about, you know, fear and equal are not the same things in transition to succession. It, yep. If it's equal, it might not be fair. If it's fair, it might not be equal. The time value of money is an interesting one. I guess an unequal amount of capital can be a lot fairer the earlier you tend to get it. Is that so? You know, if somebody gets, 
something, it might be a smaller amount, but gets yep. it earlier, it's worth a lot more to them if it pays their mortgage when they're 30, etc. Definitely. Or some of their mortgage. Because it's that's, about... That's a key concept. It is, yeah. because it's about enabling people to um, get ahead and live mm. their life. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you look at farming, a farm business is capital intensive. So mm. if you look at the dollars, then you're going to get misled every time yeah. um, because it's a big chunk of capital that sits within a farm to make it viable mm-hmm. and work um, but if you've got a career over here it might not be um, anything like that amount of capital that would be really useful mm. and set you up in a way in terms of fulfilling your dreams yeah. and doing the things that you yeah. aspire to do um, but if all we do is look at the, the dollar signs the mm. dollars um, we miss we miss the non-financial things, mm. like the fact that if that person's on the farm has got the right value set, has got a vision that they are a caretaker and a guardian, mm-hmm. um, a kaitiaki tanga, and they are purely setting their sights on providing an opportunity mm. for the next generation, that capital, the only thing that you could say if they farm well for 30 years and achieve it, which is a big if mm-hmm. it's not it's not easy yep. they're going to have to be on top of their game is that they have um, they are I just don't want to use the word guaranteed but yeah. they are likely to have a good retirement yeah just like we're setting mum and dad up for a yep. good retirement now they will get a good retirement but they won't get in their hands mm-hmm. The listeners can't see me rubbing my fingers <laughs> together, I just realised. Yeah. They won't get in their hands that big chunk of capital. Yep. It, they're caretakers and it's passed through. Um, oh, but what if What if they sell mm. it? Well, if they've got the right values and they take on the responsibility and they put their blood, sweat and tears into mm. this place through the highs and the lows and they get to 65 and none of the next generation want to farm and are going to or have the passion and are going to take it on... Yep. Well, yeah, they turn it into cash, but it's plan B or mm. C or D. They have, they have then, they've taken on the responsibility and they've ultimately been the generation that has made the call and, mm. um, and ended that, that family legacy. And I say that one because I'm very transferable. Mm-hmm. I think we can't be narrow-minded yeah. about, um, about the future and it, it all being about that business because that's when we do break ourselves but um, that's going to be an enormously challenging process it's going to be plan d for that person um, because they were never in it for the money hey there's five million dollars they've got to then go and invest the um, potentially humble meager sort of people because they've learned to do it by way of farming they're not going to go and spend it all, um, and it's going to be a, probably a bloody nuisance. Yep. They'll, they'll have their retirement, as they would have had. Um, they won't have a farm to go and touch and feel, and, and they miss out on all those things. So um, the dollar signs are misleading. It's, it's more about enabling everyone mm. to, to do the best that they can do in their chosen field. Right. Well, I'm just keeping an eye on time, um, Geordie, so I think we need to move on, uh, unless there's something really pressing about the engaging the family stuff, talk about the process of cha- choosing options, if that's all right. Yep, no, so uh, we're done on engagement. Important thing is um, that everyone has a voice, uh-huh. that everyone understands um, what is happening, and every everyone understands why it is happening. Um, that starts in a draft 
stage, yep. work through the process, and then by the end, um, of with good communication, good process, um, everyone should have come along for the journey. So, yep, options. So this, I mean, up till now, we haven't talked anything about um, legal entities, etc. Is this where you're starting to... No, 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 not, not even yet. yet. Okay, <laughs> what are we doing in options? Options is, um, is really about piecing the different parts of the business. Um, you know, potentially um, there, may be, there may be a farm that's one farm, there may be um, a off-farm investment, mm-hmm. maybe there's some shares, maybe there's a beach house, maybe there's a rental or two, or maybe there's not, mm-hmm. but it's looking at the business and it's starting to look, well, um, how are we, in terms of ultimate mm-hmm. distribution and capital and where things are sitting, um, how are we seeing the the divide? If there are, um, very often people are sort of aligning the farming assets mm-hmm. and the non-farming assets. Yep. And the farming assets um, are how do we keep those and, and the farmers, the ones that are going farming, how do we apportion those to them? and the non-farming assets to the, the non-farming mm-hmm. members of the family. Um, it's laying all those options down, um, it's looking at options around um, your own the, the retirement, mm-hmm. so we're going to need somewhere to go. Um, we're 10 years away, but if we don't have any assets outside mm-hmm. the farm, do we need to start thinking about buying a property now um, and renting it out or, or doing something so that we are we're making an investment, we're hopefully growing some equity, um, we're securing a future. Um, doesn't mean you have to end up there, but it gives you a tradable op- option for uh-huh. the future. Um, all these sorts of things that you start saying, if we're going to achieve that vision, what are the things that we need to do now? Yep. Okay. Um, then then on-farm, um, what are the options around the next generation coming in as they go to management? Uh-huh. Um, is there a lease opportunity in there somewhere? Is there an equity partnership opportunity where you you um, you go into business together mm-hmm. for a time? Um, all these different options that you you lay on the table and say, well, how are we going to cater for the the glamping side yep. option? You know, what are all the things that that um, we've heard from our family? We've got ourselves all on the table. How do we mix and match? What can we do? What can't we do? What are the, the dreams that we just yeah. need to cull early? Because, yeah, it'd be lovely, but but we yep. can't promise it now because it may just be unrealistic. And we've got to manage everyone's expectations. Mm. So that's considering options. And that's yep. really brainstorming, fitting the pieces of the puzzle, and coming up mm. with something that um, that caters mm. for all the different needs. And is this where you're talking earlier on, on podcast one, you talked about uh, benchmarking the farm and you actually, the, the, the farm's productivity and profitability level. This is where you're talking options as well, that we maybe need to develop an intensive unit here or we've got to lift yep. overall performance, X, Y, and Z here. This is the, Definitely. this is down to the nuts and bolts of yep. making money and spending it sort of stuff. Yep. So, so within the farming business, um, what are the options? What are the the targets that we want to and need yep. to achieve in order to see the vision? Um, should you know if you've you may benchmark and and find that you've got a high performing business, where do you go? Well, if you've if you've learned to um, create cash out of farming and you're mm-hmm. really good at it, then the best thing you can do is do it over a larger area, which yep. means um, expand, buy, lease. Mm-hmm 
grow your grow yeah. your base. Take um, what you're good at and do it. Yeah, and and do it again. And and just so happens you've got a next generation coming in and starting to knock on the door, so you've got some more labour. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a really good time to start looking at those things. So you touched. You know, it may not be easy, but in, you know, in your experience, are there some may think it's it's impossible or they're not the better. In your experience, are there normally when you've been through this process that you do identify options? There are there's always there's always something. Yep. Yeah. There's always options. Yeah. And this process we've talked about up to now, we're on to step four, but the first two or three steps do they help that identifying options as well? They start to throw out things people might not have thought of or get them thinking in a different way and you just find the process itself helps you identify Yep. Ways forward. Absolutely. And knowing first um, what your goals and aspirations are, Mm -hmm. where you're trying to get to, then helps you to um, differentiate good options and bad options Mm -hmm. for you. Whenever you're making a decision, if you don't have a reference point for that decision, i.e. I'm trying to get there, then it's really hard. Mm -hmm. People go, well, what should I be doing? And if I'm dealing with young people for a second... um, People go, well, what do I need to do to get ahead? Mm. You know, my mates have got rentals. Should I be buying a rental? Mm. Um, should I be leasing a farm? Should mm-hmm. I be, what should I be doing? And any decision, any option's a good option, mm. unless, or a bad option, um, until you know what you're trying to achieve. And so that, mm. that first work is your foundation. You've got your vision, mm-hmm. you've got what you're trying to achieve, you're understanding the needs of all the parties. You can then brainstorm um, 10,000 options you've then got to draft them off. And the only way to do that is by saying, well, what if we did that? Mm -hmm. Would it meet our list of priority needs? Mm -hmm. So you'll you'll distill all of the conversations down into, well, what are the priorities, the core ones, the non-negotiables? And you then draft off options by saying anything that doesn't, um, that compromises a Mm non-negotiable is gone. Um, then you'll yeah. get you'll you'll be down to some options, um, which tick all those, and then some of them will tick more of the mm-hmm. the other nice to haves. Yep. Some will tick less, and you start to to sort of mm. draft through those ones. It's good though. I mean, it ties in with a lot of what we talk about in all sorts of management processes. Is start with what you want to achieve first. Not you know, I think as farmers and farming people, we tend to be doing people, and we jump to we will buy X or develop Y or do what, but here we're only saying, thinking first, why are you doing this stuff? And then it helps yeah. you filter and throws up other ideas. Is this the point too where you start to bring in, we talked about earlier on, yeah, you have a third party facilitator to help you manage the process, but this is where some of your more specialist technical advisors start to get involved around, um, again, if it's buying an off-farm investment or a cash yep. investment or developing stuff on farm, this is where you start yeah. to work with the... And maybe something we missed in there and, and you should already have is having that trusted team Mm -hmm. around you. So um, that's horses for courses, whether it's, um, you know, the professionals in Mm -hmm. your world are your bankers, your accountants, your lawyers, your farm consultants, and for different people, you rely um, Mm -hmm. more heavily or or lightly on these people to a different Mm -hmm. degree. But you should have um, the people that you trust that are part Mm -hmm. of when you want feedback, they're the ones... Yeah. they're the ones you sort of use and, and yes this would be the time that you bring those people in um, it may be a farming mentor or mm-hmm. a, a farmer it's not all about the professionals the important thing is if that person gives you feedback 
you don't have to listen to it, but are you going to seriously take it on board? Because mm-hmm. if you're not, you know, if you if your farm consultant gives you advice all the time, but you never do it, yeah. well, you're just funding their retirement. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> As a person that uh, that that sits um, sits in that in that um, advisory role. Mm-hmm. But it's not the sort of work I enjoy doing anyway. Yeah. You've got to trust that person, mm. know that they understand you, that they've got good advice, so when they do speak, you take it on board. And yeah. those are the people that, yes, um, should be part of this decision-making yeah. process. That's You know, you mentioned at the start, or in podcast one at least, an RMPP certainly found in there is that trusted advisor idea. And people tend to focus on the second word, that they're an advisor, you know, and think of first word's the key, the trusted one. You, for some it's yep. their bank manager and for some it's not. For some it's their farm consultant. It's not always the same role. Ultimately it's who you yep. relate to, trust and... Yeah. A, a, a friend from school that you've, that's yep. been important in your life, that's been really successful in business. You know, it, it's, it's who is going to have an impact, um, yep. understands you and help and will help you. All right. Well, this part's gone on longer than I thought. But in terms of considering <laughs> options, is there anything else we want to you want to raise or cover there? Um, no. That's um, and and it folds pretty nicely into. Oh, sorry. I, the the bit is that in terms of we've engaged the family. Yeah. The family should remain engaged, and there should be communication mm. whenever there's material things. And at least you know if you're in your early days, you might say. Let's have an, a meeting at least once a year. So yep. annually, there might not be much to um, to add, but everyone just gets to connect. Um, might have thought about things a bit more and have some feedback, but um, the only thing worse than, than not talking about it is probably talking about it once mm-hmm. and then not talking about it ever again mm-hmm. because you get people all enthused and part of it and then you leave them leave them hanging. So... Um, you, the engagement needs to continue mm-hmm. and as you go through this process um, I'd say minimum once a year make sure you're checking in um, or if there's anything material um, and an opportunity yep. to to, and, to share and update and it must be written have the written minutes, the written follow-up of course right. yep. Yep. okay so we can wrap that one up here alright, look we're um, this is part 2 coming to an end and there's going to be part 3 as well so um, hence you can see why we've split it up into to three parts people because it's um, a lot more material and a lot longer than we would normally do in our standard um, our podcast so Geordie thanks for your time, um, we'll put there as I said it's in the description of the podcast the links to Beef and Lamb New Zealand and RMPP websites where you can find more information if you haven't listened to part 1 you definitely should, and keep an an ear out, not an eye out, but keep an ear out for part three.